We want to welcome you to Gateway Church. Uh, we're so glad that you have taken your morning uh, to gather in your living room or uh, maybe traveling down the road out of town or wherever you may be this morning. Uh, we miss you here, uh, but we're excited that uh, through technology that we can come into your homes or uh, into wherever you are. Uh, we pray that you had a Merry Christmas and we're looking forward to being together again face to face next Sunday. Uh, the first Sunday of 2021. So uh, I ask you to uh, sit back, relax, and uh, take in what God has for you this morning. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Shame no longer has a place to hide Well, I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love There's power that can break off every chain there's power that can empty out a grave There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name There's power in your name There's power that can break off every chain There's power that can empty out a grave resurrection power that can save there's power in your name there's power in your name cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Strong enough to calm the storm 
of fear and unbelief fierce enough to break the core of death that's clung to me and I have come to know a love whose powers overcome every insecurity heaven moves and demons flee and now as I lift my voice to sing, oh, your love is strong. And oh, your love is strong. And oh, your love is strong. And oh, your love is strong. Close enough. To hold me tight When fear is crippling Safe enough To be my home When my world is crumbling Cause I have come to know a love That's stronger than the grave In my darkest hour Raise me up from death to life and now in resurrection power. Oh, your love is strong. And 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 your love, it vanquished all my enemies. It broke the cage that silenced me and set this songbird free. And I sing for all the love you've given me. Rejoice because you've chosen me and called this orphan home. Father, we thank you for your love. God, the love that was displayed when you sent your son to be born in a manger, to live a life, a perfect life, to be sacrificed for our sins. God, I pray as we go into your word this morning, Father, that you will 
Allow us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Father, that we can comprehend, understand the depth of your love. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, we uh, thank you for uh, allowing us to come into your home this morning. Uh, we are excited about what God is doing. We're excited about 2021. Uh, we're excited about uh, what God is going to do, not only in us personally, uh, but in this church and in our community. And uh, today we want to, to just take a, a few minutes uh, on this uh, Sunday following uh, the day that we celebrated the birth of Jesus. Uh, we pray that you had a great Christmas, that you were able to, to be with friends and family. And uh, I pray that uh, blessings upon you and, and your family uh, this morning and, and this week. <clears throat> so about three weeks ago, we started our uh, Christmas series. And we began to, to look at what we were going to, to discuss and, and, and how we were going to frame our Christmas series this year. And it came to us that we believe that the entire Christmas story can be summed up in one verse. Uh, that verse is, is not found in the traditional Christmas story. Uh, it's not found in, in Luke chapter 2. It's not found in, in where we talk about the shepherds and, and the wise men. But instead, it's found in the third chapter of John. A very familiar passage or verse of Scripture. In John chapter 3, 16, when it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when we looked at this verse, we said we could break it down into four different segments. The first week we looked at, for God so loved the world. For God so loved people. For God so loved you and me. God loved us. And his love motivated him to give. So in the second week, we talked about, for God so loved the world that he gave. And we looked at how that, that you cannot love without giving. And, and love is the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. Well, what did he give? Last week, we talked about his only begotten son. And we discussed how that the word begotten actually means unique. It's like DNA. There is no one like Jesus, and there never will be. He's unique. He's one of a kind. That was his gift to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, what happened? Why did he give him? Why was he motivated to give? We finished that verse, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have life everlasting. Our mission, his mission for sending Jesus into the world was so that we would believe in him. Jesus' mission was to have people believe in him. John chapter 14 verse 1 tells us this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And when we begin to look at this, we understand and we realize that God is not only powerful, but he's personal. And our faith in Christ has to become personal. 
It's a relationship with him. He goes on later in that chapter to tell us that he wants us to be where he is. He wants us to see him. So when we look at Jesus, we see the heart of the Father on display. Jesus came to show us the Father's heart. You see, you you don't really know someone until you know their heart. And, And once you know their heart is when you can start to believe in them. When someone tells you something, it's hard to to take it just at face value. But when you get to know the person, when you start to believe in them, that's when everything changes. When you get to, to know them. You see, so many people misunderstand the Father's heart. You see, God is a good God. God doesn't put sickness on someone. Uh, There are people that that have an understanding that that God will give you something to teach you something. Now, God may teach you something through something you're going through, but I can't find anywhere in Scripture where where Jesus put a sickness on somebody. I, I can't find anywhere in Scripture that he threw stones. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where he condemns someone, where he kills someone. No, every time I read about Jesus, he's raising from the dead. He's freeing. He's healing. He's protecting. You see, that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God. What is his heart? What does he want? I want to look at the last segment of this verse, but I'm going to to look at it backward. His heart is so that we would not perish. God does not want us to perish. Now, to perish, it it doesn't mean to die. Uh, Because unless the rapture happens, we're all going to die. It is appointed once unto a man to die. But he didn't say to die. What he did say was to perish. And there's a difference. You see, to perish is to be separated from his presence. To die is to be separated from this body. We're all going to to be separated from our body. Uh, But the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And it is so powerful when we understand that God wants us to be with him. What makes Christmas special? When you begin to think about Christmas, what is it that makes it special? It's not what's under the tree. That's not what makes it special. I mean, yes, we love getting gifts. We enjoy the things that we receive. We enjoy giving gifts to people, but that's not what makes it special. What makes it special is not what's under our tree, but it's who's sitting around it. When you sit down for for a Christmas dinner, it's not what's on the table, but it's who's around it. It's not about the presents. But it's about the presence of people. The Bible tells us that he goes and to prepare a place, mansions. But, but to be with him, it's not about the mansions. It's not about the streets of gold. But what it's about is, is about God being there, his presence You see, what happens when we die is determined by what we believe. There was a movie that came out a few years ago called Heaven is Real. I didn't need a movie for me to understand that because it's in the Word. Heaven is real. 
He said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a real place. He created it for us so that we would never have to be separated from him. But just as heaven is a real place, hell is as well. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, hell was not prepared for mankind. He did not predestine man for hell. He sent his son so that we would believe in him, so that heaven could be in our future. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11 says, He that overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. You see, if you do not believe when you die, you're going to be separated from your body then you'll be separated from his presence. But the heart of God is that we spend eternity with him. So what do we have to do? What do we have to do? How do we keep ourselves from being separated from him? We have to believe. We have to believe in him. Why does it take believing in him? Why is it set up that way? Well, you see, unbelief was the original sin. When we talk about Adam and Eve in the garden, when we look at that story, we can very quickly think that, oh, it's disobedience was the original sin, but it wasn't disobedience. Disbelief, unbelief is the original sin. When they doubted God, then they disobeyed God. Disobedience is the fruit of unbelief. Genesis 3 chapter 1 tells us, Now the serpent said to the woman, Has God said? Has God said? The serpent made Eve doubt God. Do you remember maybe when you were younger and and your parents or, or someone said, do not touch the stove? What did you do? A lot of times we touch the stove, usually just once. But why did we do that? Why did you touch it? It's because what is ingrained in us, since it's ingrained in all of mankind, it's from the beginning, is unbelief. It's the sin nature. The sin nature is not to believe God. So what does it take to undo that? It takes believing. It takes believing. To believe is the way to salvation. You see, unbelief separates us from God and belief can reunite us. When we believe, it brings us back into relationship. But to believe in him is more than acknowledging him. It's a choice that you have to make to adjust your life to him. Uh, It's not enough just to say a prayer. But you have to adjust your life to him. False religions believe in him, but they aren't saved. James chapter 2 verse 19 tells us that the devils believe and they tremble. They cannot adjust their life to his lordship. It's more than just acknowledging him. You can go through the motions. You can go through some rituals. 
But that isn't belief. You have to, to, when you believe, you have to adjust your life to him. I mean, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? He tells us in another scripture, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. He has to begin to to adjust our life to him. And you see, when we begin to to understand that believing is more than just acknowledging him, believing takes three things. John chapter 4, verse 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Father revealed. The heart of the Father revealed. He said there's three things. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. To believe is a decision. First, we must decide to believe that he is the way. And then we have to choose to follow him. Repentance means to change directions. Repentance means uh, to realize that you're going the wrong way. To understanding that you are on the wrong path. Jesus says, I am the way. The world says, then God tells us that there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. But to believe is to follow him. Now, many people struggle with this. You can see someone and you know that they're on the wrong path. Being a pastor, this happens all the time. I can see someone, I know they're on the wrong path, and I say, listen, you are on the wrong path. And they'll look at me and say, I know. Okay? So you're on the wrong path and you need to change your direction. They'll say, I know. but then they continue down the wrong path. It happens so many times over and over again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14 tells us this, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. It's not easy. It says narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way. But to believe in him, you have to understand that and believe that he is the way. Secondly, you have to believe that he's the truth. And you have to choose to trust him. You you see, in this world today, there are a lot of competing truths. There's a, a lot of things that contradict his truth. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, we see that, that Herod asks, where is the king of the Jews? And then the very next verse, it says that Herod was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod troubled? It's because Herod was the king. And back then, the king's word It settled the truth. Whatever the king said, that was the final word. That was the truth. The truth was even sealed sometimes with his ring. So Herod, the truth started and ended with him. But then he hears that a new king had been born. And he becomes troubled. Why was that? It's because now there's... There's a competing king. And if there was a a competing king, that means there's now a competing truth. 
And today there are, there are a lot of truths that are competing with the truth of God. But we have to, to choose to trust this truth. We have to say, I'm going to follow and trust him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It says that you trusted after you heard the truth. And it saved you. And it sealed you. You see, in this world, there are a lot of things that people declare as truth. But truth is only as good as the source. Truth is only as good as the source. And His truth is worth believing. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Now behold, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. You see, the white horse that it talks about, that means that there is a king riding on it. And it says that that king, that he represents, they call him faithful and true. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. And lastly, he said, I am the life. The life. Choose to experience Him. If you trust Him and you follow Him, you will experience life. A very familiar scripture found in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. Now, most often when we quote that verse or when we read that verse, those are the things that we focus on. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But this morning, I want you to look at the second part of that verse. He said, that's what the thief does. That's what the enemy does. That's what Satan does. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And one version says that you might have life and life overflowing. You see, our king, he's worth trusting. And when we do, when we trust when we believe that he's the way, that he's the truth, it will make our life overflow. Not just in this life, but in the life following, believing. So he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That if we would believe in him, that we wouldn't perish, but that we could have life. But the, but the next question is, who qualifies to believe? Who qualifies? And there's a word in the middle of that verse, and it says, whosoever, whosoever. And this theme 
is all throughout the Bible. You see, you, you don't have to be born of a particular culture or, or a particular race. You don't have to be of a particular gender. You, you don't have to be and have a certain economic status. You don't have to have degrees hanging on the wall. He said, whosoever. And a lot of times, people will get hung up on Christianity because they think that it's exclusive, that it's only available to a select few. But it's not. Christianity is inclusive. Now, we understand that, that he is the only one who can save. But he will save anyone. When I, when I think about this and I look at this verse of Scripture, I am so grateful that there is a way. That he says that if we believe in him, we are saved. Acts chapter 2 tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All throughout the Christmas story, God revealed himself to whosoever. We can look at the Christmas story and we see that he revealed himself to the wise men. King, the upper class of a diverse culture. They were from the east, but God didn't care. He showed them the star and they followed it. And they came and worshiped him. We also see that he appeared to the shepherds. The working class. The, the, they probably had calloused hands. They probably were not highly educated. But the angels appeared to them. And they said, behold, you're going to find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Go see him and he will save you. You see, it doesn't matter your status. He revealed himself to people who were religious. He revealed himself to the politicians. Just like Herod. He said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. doesn't matter. He said, you just have to believe in me. You have to, to, to acknowledge me and then change the way you're living. As we've went through the last four weeks, if you've missed any week, I encourage you, go and Look at week one, two, and three. But I've been a, a follower of Christ since I was uh, around nine years old. I've read this verse probably thousands of times. I've heard it quoted. I've seen athletes wear it. but it began to take on something completely new. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting
You may be watching this. And maybe you've never truly believed in him. Maybe you, you've thought that, that, that maybe that you were too far gone, that God could not rescue you. Maybe you've thought that Christianity was only for a select few. No matter what it is, that the enemy is trying to, to whisper it into your soul. God wants you to know right now that he loves you. That he cares about you. We are getting ready to, to end 2020. We are getting ready to step into a new year. The new year symbolizes a new beginning. And after 2020, that seems even more exciting than ever. But God wants you to know right where you are, right this moment, that if you will believe in him, that he will make you a new person. That the things that are behind you will be gone. And that you can look to a bright and a new future. You can not experience the second death. So no matter where you are right now, it doesn't matter if you're watching in this tri-state area or anywhere across the country, anywhere across the world. All you have to do is believe in him. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I am thankful that you loved us so much that you gave such a gift. God, many of us received gifts during this past week. But Father, none of them compare to the gift that you gave over 2,000 years ago. Father, I pray that if there's anyone listening today that have never accepted that gift, they've never believed in you, God, that this moment, Father, that they will accept your love and that they can start today with a new future, with a new outcome with a new outlook on life. Father, I pray blessing over everyone that is watching today. God, I pray peace, love, protection over them, their families, their friends. God, for those that, that may be lonely this morning, God, that may feel as if they have no one. God, wrap your arms of love around them. Father, reassure them that John 3.16 applies to them. God, a thankful for what you're doing in our lives. God, I pray that, that we can enter this new year with an expectancy like we've never had before. God, allow us to walk in your presence 
We love you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. It's quite different standing and preaching to nothing but pews. I look forward to, to next week to us getting back together. But I pray in the meantime that you'll continue to seek God. If you made a decision for him today, go to our Facebook page, send us a message. Let us know that you did that so that we can be connected with you. Whether you live in this local area, whether you maybe even have another church, it doesn't matter to us. We want to, to help connect with you or get you connected. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Uh, there's still a little bit of snow in this area. Go out and enjoy it. Uh, and help your pastor pray that we can enjoy some more snow for the new year. Have a great, great Sunday and the rest of your week.